<laughs> we have. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi. It's How are Mikey you? Mikey and Heather. Back at it again. Uh, with the scary stories and the, you know, new shit coming out. So we're excited. Yes. So thanks for listening and welcome to the Eastern State Penitentiary episode. Ooh, this is in my hometown. Mm-hmm. So pack a bowl, pour yourself a shot, and let's get into it. Smoking it up. Hello, all of my witchy bitches and spooky little people. Yes. Spookies. The spooky season is upon us. It was coming up soon. And everything true crime. That is my Don't you dare with the pumpkin spice. We ain't basic bitches in here. Truth be told, I really (laughs) hate pumpkin spice. (laughs) Same. But I do love a good piece of pumpkin pie with a whole lot of fucking cool whip every once in a while. I can have it one time at like Thanksgiving and then that's it. And even though we're having pies at the wedding, pumpkin is not going to be on the list that makes the cuts because I don't like it enough and Ben fucking hates pumpkin pie. So yeah, there's that. But we are like four weeks away from my birthday. Like, Two weeks away from Mikey's birthday. My bachelorette is next month. And I just got through finals, so I'm garbage because I did not release this episode on Wednesday last week like I wanted to. And I released our bump in the night one, but it was late. So your girls had shit going on. Hopefully you forgive us. (laughs) (laughs) I have not been timely. It's okay. I forgive you. That's all that matters. (laughs) I've been bothering her about it. (laughs) Yeah. So you're going to get this episode probably a day late too. (laughs) So just know we've been going through it. I've been given most. We got to get through the steps. That's what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Setting goals. Making my checklist. You know, I mean, you have an alcoholic and a stoner, y'all are listening too. (laughs) (laughs) This may be happy is getting out. (laughs) Literally, I just swallowed a boba ball. That's not a lie. (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, there's a popping boba, they're so good. But today's episode, we're gonna talk about. A place that literally is on my fucking bucket list. So, oh my, my god, bucket I can't list, wait. Let me just sprinkle you some knowledge. <laughs> my bucket list consists of Michelin star restaurants, spooky fucking places, and weird like crazy roads, <laughs> like Route sixty six. Some Michelin star restaurants in New York. One of them is in Japan. Another one's in like Canada. So yeah, my bucket list, there's a whole lot going on. <laughs> so this this place though is in Mikey's fucking backyard. 
And you've I can never literally, been? I can, no, I've never been here. Every year during Halloween, they do like a lot of shit to like, kind of like make it like a attraction for everybody. And it's so cool. And we hear about it all the time. And I can never get a group of people to go with me because I ain't going to this place by myself. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I am your group of people. Right. I've got two arms and two legs. We have to try to make it happen. And maybe over 5,000 miles in between year. us. So. Yeah. Maybe not this year, yeah. but next year we've got to do it. Most definitely. So, We're talking about Eastern State Penitentiary. Or ESP. ESP. This motherfucker was built like almost 200 years ago now because mm-hmm. it opened, I think, in 1829 and we're in 2021. So it's right on the cusp of being 200 years old. It was so, operation. It was operational in 1829. Yeah, and I don't know. I have to look through my notes that I jotted down. I don't know if I found the date that it closed. I know it was in use for quite some time, but I can't remember. I'm sure I'll find it. So anyway, so we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the history, go over some important things in like the timeline, how long it took to build, all that kind of stuff, and why it was so revolutionary back in its heyday and then we'll talk about the spooky shit and like things that have gone down there and we'll end with all the fun festivities and how you can like visit they do daytime tours twilight tours halloween events artist installations like they got a whole bunch of shit that they do and it all benefits like yeah, the foundation I think it's terror behind the walls is the people that uh do the they host the um the Halloween event where they walk yeah. through and you have to sign a waiver and all kinds of stuff. Like there's like a, I call it a book because there's so many papers they want you to sign just in case, because of the sheer fact that this has always, always been a scary, like haunted, whatever they take you through, like hallway yeah. or whatever. Well, not only that, but it's <clears> like, <throat> I don't know what the term is. And I saw it when I was doing the research, but it's mm-hmm. literally like a preserved ruin. So the shit is in ruins. Yeah. It's dilapidated. Things are falling apart. There's like Philadelphia will not health touch hazards. It. Like it's now considered part of the historical community. Yeah. So now they can't even touch it. So it's just sitting there degrading as per usual. But like I do know that like um, sometimes, not all the time. But when they do do the tours, they take you through the safer areas of this place. But um, I do know that some people have been caught in, like, the other areas that aren't as safe. And it is a hefty fine. Yeah. I just want to go there so bad. I am – I do too. I don't know. I literally must have lived in, like, another era in my past life. Because I I know it's cliche, but I have an old soul. Like if I could pick a time to live, it wouldn't be in today's world. Like I would have lived 200 Same. years ago Same. when so many things were happening. That when were all the crazy shit was happening that is unexplainable. Yes. Same. Yeah. When people believed in fucking vampires and witches and just stuff like that. Because when you – think about today and we think how far we've come and all the technology we have. And then you take a step back and you think this isn't how people have always lived. Like people didn't have running water. People didn't have electricity. And then when you see these old buildings that are like gorgeous, 
pieces of fucking art and like architecture and you think, my God, somebody could build this, but we didn't have electricity yet. Someone had the like imagination and creativity to think outside the fucking box. And it's just like, it literally like astounds me. So that's why I have a lot of weird like historical places that I want to visit. And I kind of got to go to some when I was a flight attendant. I went all around like DC to the different museums and like, like art focal points and memorials and stuff like that because I just am literally so obsessed with like old historic places. And I think if I could have been born into like a wealthy family and I could have went to college for anything, I would have been the dorky art history major and like working in a fucking museum. That's what I would have did with my life. But that's not the life I live. So I get to host a podcast and talk about spooky shit and create a bucket list that I hope to get through one day. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll mark, we'll mark most of that yeah. off. Yeah. So like we were saying, it opened and began to operate back <clears> in 1829. <throat> it was built between 18, 1821 and 1829. So it did take a while to build. It was the world's first true penitentiary prison. So remember, it's back in the 1800s. People lived in fucking castles and like cottages and shit. And if you were ever imprisoned, it was like a small wall with a cell. And then most of the time you were just put to death. We didn't have prisons how we have them now. We weren't like housing hundreds of thousands of people and like keeping them in the system. So when this came out, it was the first institute of its kind where people truly were kept a hundred percent separate from each other. Like they didn't just sit in the general population in one big cell waiting to go on trial and either get executed or set free. Like, no, they had individual cells. They were pretty much kept in seclusion the entire time. Um, Those that did act out would go into solitary confinement, which was right below death row. And they would have no lights. Like they could even get like reduced food rations and all kinds of shit like that. So it was just crazy because when you look at pictures and you do research on it, it is a massive. And to think that they built this on this property like 200 years ago, it's just crazy to me. So the building itself was back in the day, like a wonder of the world, like architecturally. It also, I was reading, had running water and a heating system before our fucking White House. Did you know that? Like our White House was built and the motherfucking president is living there and Eastern State Penitentiary had running water and the president of the United States did not. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is fucking nuts. Because you would think, like, think about it. We we still do that to this day. Like, prisoners get a lot of shit that people struggle to get outside of prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's just so, uh, that's crazy. Like, your own president hasn't even, like, tested out, like, this system of water source and heating or yeah. electric. And you're getting it before everybody else. Yeah, it was crazy. And like the whole concept behind it, it was a huge, like powerful time for 
reform with the justice system and the way we treated criminals. Correct. So when this was built and the concept behind it was to confine prisoners to themselves and have solitary confinement and then also have hard labor, that's where we kind of also see the building blocks of the old school chain gangs, so to speak, like being brought to life, right? Because not only are we keeping these prisoners in solitary confinement, separating them to their own cells, but they would also do work around the yard and like for the city itself. They would keep it, they would keep it up. Yeah. And so people were just like, wow, why, why are we doing this? And the concept behind it was that if we could confine these prisoners, they would be penitent enough and feel sorry for what they did. And that would be a means to reform them and to get them out of their like criminal ways, as opposed to just saying you're guilty, we're going to hang you to the gallows with you or whatever. This was when we really looked at trying to reform prisoners and really get a handle on our making of the justice system. Yeah. Yeah. So once they started building, um, it took a lot of years of lobbying. I think the lobbying for the need for something to happen because jails were being overcrowded. Lots of scandalous things were happening inside the jails. Like prisoners were murdering each other and stuff like this. I want to say it was almost like, like 35 years. Like the reform and lobbying started in the end of the 1770s. And it wasn't until 1821 when they actually got the approval to fund the building of Eastern State Penitentiary. It was designed to hold 250 inmates, four architects, um, architects, architects, committed <laughs> <laughs> designs for this massive prison. Um, John Haviland, he was the architect, I believe it was from Britain, and he had settled in Philadelphia. He ended up winning the commission and he won a hundred dollar prize for his design. So I don't know what that is in today's money because I am just not one that can like Google or wrap my mind around it, but I'm sure it was worth a lot of money because again, it's 1821 and it was $100. So it was huge to us. We're like $100 probably cost more than that to build, to like draw, draw it or whatever. But um, yeah, the person who – there was a second person that was in close running with John and his name was William Strickland. His design wasn't chosen, but he did get chosen to oversee construction. So they're like, damn, you guys were really, really close, similar designs, what have you. John's the one that we're going to settle on his design, but we like your work a lot. We feel like you have a lot to offer. So you're going to be in charge of overseeing us building this shit and making sure it goes accordingly, right? Then in 1822, the foundations and the walls went up and William actually gets fired. And the architect ends up being the one who has to like look over the construction and all of that stuff. So four more years go on. They're still building it. And someone famous, the Marquis de Lafayette, 
like visited in 1826 and that kind of prompted them like hey how much longer is this going to take it's been five years now that we've been building it so on april 23rd in 1829 um the law and legislation that gets passed states that separate or solitary confinement at labor allows that to be like a means of punishment or way to reform people who are like convicted criminals, right? So at that time, um, people believed very heavily that if you were a criminal, it was directly related to like your upbringing. So right, they right then and there, they're kind of saying, we have a bunch of poor people. I mean, you know, people were throwing their piss and shit in the street back in this time. Keep that in mind. We have a bunch of poor people, more commoners living together. And in those parts of the town and villages, because I think villages were still a thing back then, that's where we're seeing crime. So because these criminals are coming from these certain areas of town and villages, we know, yeah, we know there has to be a correlation. So if we can shove them in solitude, they're going to be regretful. And penitent, which is part of the word penitentiary, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully we can reform them. So that becomes the big theory. Everyone's lobbying for it. They're building this prison. They get the law passed. And then plans start to get finalized to prohibit all contact between any prisoners that were there and the world's most ambitious penitentiary at the time is practically ready to start receiving its first inmates. So what they do since they didn't want communication to happen among them, they had masks that kind of were built, created, fabricated, whatever you want to say. Um, Kind of like Silence of the Lambs. Yes. So that they couldn't talk. And a lot of the cells, I think all of them, had those weird feed doors, just like in Silence of the Lamb. You can slide Mm -hmm. your plate of food through or whatever. Or tray or whatever. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. I had to sneeze. Um, And then they had like individual yards for these inmates to exercise so that they could do it that in solitary confinement as well and literally everything about the design of this prison took into account how can we keep them separate how can we keep people solitary and in solitude and limit any kind of contact at all so in October of 1829 is when it actually got its first inmate and his name was Charles Williams and he lo and behold is prisoner number one well What did he do, might you ask, that earned him his little stay, you know, in the stint? He was a burglar. He was just a common burglar, and he wasn't a very large man. I think they said um, he was like five feet, six or seven inches tall or something. Um, And you can actually look up because they wrote down the prisoner name, their number, a description about them, and then it had any, like, scars and other things that were not prominent, but, like, unique features. So if they had, like, broad shoulders or a crooked nose, um, things of that nature, 
they would put that in the log as well as what their trade was. And then the other thing I thought that was neat when I was looking through like old records was they would put if they could read or they couldn't read. So remember, literacy wasn't like a thing. Not everybody back in the day knew how to read. So I thought that yeah, was Yeah, we're going of, pretty far back. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that it put can read or cannot read or whatever because obviously if somebody can't read, we can't expect them to see the sign that says no fucking talking, right? So um, his theft was for a watch, a gold seal, and a gold key. And I think the watch said it was... $20 and the gold seal was $3 and he got sentenced to two years confinement with labor. Um, so I was like, damn, he stole $23 worth of shit and he got sentenced to two years of being in confinement with labor. I mean, I guess maybe that's a valid sentence. I, I don't know, but it was interesting to see their crimes, what their sentence was, if it was solitary or confinement with labor and things of that stuff. So I highly suggest if you go to easternstate.org, they have a whole section where you can click on for research and it takes you to all these other links. That's pretty much where I got all of my notes from. I will link them in the episode description. And then I also went to a couple other sites that will be in the episode description. Um... So a couple years go by, 1831, they end up completing work on block three, and that was the last of the original single-story cell blocks. Is It's not just a single-story prison. It was like multi-stories. So work begins this year as well on blocks four, five, six, and seven, which were all two-story buildings, and that was to accommodate the ever-increasing number at the time of criminals and those that were being convicted. Block seven got finished um, in 1835, and the first female prisoner is received. So over the time, they did have uh, a few, maybe even several, I didn't count, but they had quite a few female prisoners there at Eastern State Penitentiary, and we'll kind of go over like some notable and infamous prisoners that were held here, but that'll be in a minute. Um, in 1832, so... Three years after it opened, they have the first escape. And this person who served as, I want to say it was like a server or a waiter for the warden, he actually climbed or got on the roof somehow and he climbed down from the roof in the front building and fleed. Obviously, he was captured, but he actually. Dude, this guy is crazy. He's tried to escape from ESP. Yeah. Like, the pictures do this place no justice. I'm telling you right now. Like, the walls are insanely tall. Like, yeah. they go up pretty darn high. If you jump off that, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to be breaking their legs. Right. So, I don't know how he did it, but he climbed from the roof. I'm guessing he probably used sheets or his clothing or something. And then five years later in 1837, the same prisoner escapes in the same manner. So they God. forgot about little Timmy No Name pulling the <laughs> same thing five years Timmy. prior. Oh, yeah, Timmy. Hey, Tim. Hope you're listening. Thanks. Um, and then 1834 is when the first, like, pretty serious investigations started happening about the prison 
One, they started looking at their punishment practices and the ways that they were not following the Pennsylvania system of confinement, as well as financial documents and their finances. So six years, no, not quite six years, five years after it opened is when things start getting investigated because they're getting complaints and, you know, they've had that man try to escape. And All right. Let me, let me just tell you all, Philly is crazy. They all crazy up here. Um, and if you're from Philly and you're sitting here listening to this and you're like, oh, yeah, we're cra- we're not crazy. You crazy. You just said that to yourself. Yeah. So I'm just saying these people are crazy. And in Philadelphia, where the where ESP is at, it is pretty much around the neighborhood. So people are going to be really nosy. And want to know what's going on and why is this happening? And all this strange shit started to happen. So Philadelphians, we don't, we don't, we'll ask questions first. Yeah. (laughs) We'll ask questions first. So. So they started asking questions and looking at all of these claims that were being made. I mean, a couple years go by, 1836, the actual original prison Finally is completed, obviously under the supervision of the architect, and it ended up covering 11 acres, had state-of-the-art plumbing, had a sewage system, right, because they had running waters, running water, sorry, um, 450 centrally heated cells, and at this time, it is like, oh, like angels are singing because people have never seen anything like it. I mean, sure, we had huge castles and shit with like moats and like drawn bridges or whatever, you know, and catapults attached to them back in like the Crusades, but none of them had running water, let alone a sewer and centralized heating. So it was something to see and witness and be able to be like, yep, that's in my town. You know, that crazy new building that's got the fancy water that moves and like you just turn something on and it's there. You don't have to fetch it. Mm-hmm. That's in Philly with me. So Philly was flexing, so to speak. Um, and then uh, a couple other things happened in 1836. So governments started taking note. They're like, damn, what's going on in Philadelphia? They got this crazy prison that we've been hearing about. Um And they start to model their prisons after ESP. They have tourists coming, you know, because like I said, people in Philadelphia are like writing back home with their quill and like invisible ink, you know, to to spread the juice and spill the tea or whatever you want to call it back then. Like, hey, you need to get on your horse and buggy and you need to load up your girls, bring yourself some bread and biscuits, and you need to come see this place. So tourists were coming from like everywhere, traveling just to see the building. Um, Eastern State Penitentiary at that time had cost $780,000, which was one of the most expensive buildings of its day in the entire United States. I don't know if it was 13 13 states back then because I'm not that kind of history girl, but in the country, it was the most expensive building at the time. Um, 1842, 
Charles Dickens, he decides to visit the U.S. because he wants to see Niagara Falls and also Eastern State Penitentiary. He ends up later writing somewhere in one of his documents, speeches, what have you. The system is rigid, strict, and hopeless solitary confinement, and I believe it in its effects to be cruel and wrong. So Mr. Dickens is writing how, like, it's just cruel, it's wrong. And even to this day, even right now, it's macabre looking and it just looks like things horror movies and nightmares are made out of when you look at it. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think in its heyday it was much cleaner than it is now. You know, like, they they wouldn't have had the things that we have now to clean it, like... I don't know. Obviously, it probably wouldn't have been dusty and, like, roofs wouldn't have been caved in and floors wouldn't have holes in them. But, like, the brick and mortar and stone and, like, iron is the same it was from 200 years ago. Also, Philadelphia is literally filled with masonry work all over the place. Like, it's considered a historical area. So, Philadelphia is going to have a lot of, like, older style streets still. So, like, there's cobblestone streets in Philly still they're not allowed to tear them up they're not allowed to change them they can if the cobblestone starts pulling up they can repair but they're not allowed to remove the original setting so i know those streets have still not been you know the best to ride your car on because that is a bumpy ride let me tell you (laughs) Uh uh-uh and it's even worse if you're just a little buzz because then you think you're driving all crazy (laughs) when you're really not Right. By the way, don't drink and drive. That's bad. Yeah, we don't. We don't do that. We Uber now. But so that's all the stuff that kind of went down in 1842, and nothing really notable happens until like the 50s. So 1854, they end up hiring their first full-time school teacher. They um, have like over 10,000 tourists by 1858. Um, And at that time, it was, like, in that year. So they had a bunch of tourists that came that was, I think it was, like, around 9,000 that they could count from documents. But in 1858 alone, over 10,000 tourists visited ESP. And at that time, it was the most that have ever come in a single year. And then the historic tours in the 1990s are when they started after it had been closed and whatnot. But while it was still operating, 1858 was the biggest year that they had tourists. Um, 1877, they added additional cell blocks. Um, Those did not have attached exercise yards. 1911, they added cell block 12. And that one, that cell block 12 is drastically different than the original architecture. It had more light colored reinforced concrete. Uh, It was three stories. Each story had 40 cells. It didn't have the traditional like common arched ceilings like the rest of the prison did. Um, And instead of skylights, they did very small, thin, or I guess you could call them narrow windows. I actually used to drive by this every, like, I think it was, like, around the evening time. I used to drive by this every, I think, about three days out of the week to go to a bartending school I I was going to. Can I tell you, this place looks gorgeous from just the outside still. 
Yeah, with all the like skylights and yeah. windows and stuff that it I have. It looks gorgeous. It still looks like it looks like a castle. It's a fort. It's a yeah. freaking fort. And it's crazy that like it's still standing there. Yeah, to think a construction from 200 years ago is still standing. Granted there are things that are dilapidated from weather and like neglect, but the bones are still there. Yeah. Um So 1913, the Pennsylvania system of confinement with solitude is actually entirely abandoned at Eastern State. It had actually just been falling apart over like the last decades once the 20th century kind of came around. So they just entirely abandoned that whole confinement with solitude. 1923, they actually stopped taking female prisoners um, and they moved them. (coughs) Sorry. They moved them to Muncie. And in July of 1923, there was an inmate, and he is actually the only inmate to have ever escaped and not be recaptured. His name was Leo Callahan. He had five accomplices with him. They somehow were armed with pistols, and they were able to scale, I can't read my notes, the east wall after they held up like some unarmed guards. Cause I guess they had armed guards, they had unarmed guards and all kinds of stuff. More than 100 inmates uh, ended up escaping during the 142 years that it was in active use. But Callahan, he was the only one to never be recaptured. All of his accomplices, like the five people that help him, um, they did end up getting apprehended. Um, even one that like made it all the way to Honolulu, Hawaii, like they tracked him down somehow and sent his ass back. It's crazy. Um, in 1924, they actually introduced group dining halls. Tablecloths were allowed on Sundays and holidays. They actually started to decorate for holidays to build like morale. And then, uh, August of 1924, the governor sentenced Pep, the cat murdering dog, to a life sentence. Sorry, the name is just funny. The cat murdering dog to a life sentence at ESP. Allegedly, he murdered the governor's, at the time, governor's wife's cat. So... What I can't name the cat murdering dog. (laughs) Like I Um, didn't even know this. (laughs) Yeah. So he was assigned inmate number C twenty five fifty nine. He there's a mugshot if you look him up. Um, but they there's a lot of people that say his reason for being sentenced to life at this place is something that's still kind of like a point of contention. Like, okay, that's what you wrote down in the book, but is that really why you gave him a life sentence for killing a freaking cat? Don't get me wrong. I love animals. That's some revenge there, though. I don't condone animal cruelty, but a life sentence? Like, yeah, really? So um, there were some, like, newspaper clippings and stuff that reported the governor donated his own dog to the prison at the time to kind of help increase morale. So the thought of pets being around decorating for the holidays, tablecloths on Sundays, they're really trying to get into, (coughs) 
Sorry. Okay, don't die. Jeez. I'm so thirsty and I like. I know it's not scary that you want to die, but don't die. I know. I'm so thirsty. I want to drink my boba and I can't anymore. Um, (laughs) So you can tell that they are really trying to like build the morale. They've stepped completely away from confining prisoners, not allowing them to talk and, you know, shit like that. So 1926, construction begins again. This time it is on cell block 14, and it's the second three story cell block to be built. Um, at this time, remember when I said it was built, it was intended to hold 250 inmates. Now in 1926, it's holding 1700. So you can just see the scale that it grew to from what it was intended to what it ended up holding. Um, the most famous time period for ESP is the year um, that Al Capone ended up spending eight months at Eastern State, and that was between 1929 and 1930. And I know on Eastern State's site, they quoted like the Philadelphia Public Ledger. So somebody described the cell and it just said, quote, the whole room was suffused in the glow of a desk lamp, which stood on a polished desk. On the once grim walls of the penal chamber hung tasteful paintings, and the strains of a waltz were being emitted by a powerful cabinet radio receiver of handsome design. That's so funny. I'm like, uh, you're you're reading <laughs> this, and I'm looking at it in a picture, and I'm like, holy crap! That explains <laughs> everything that's in yeah. this room. So he had quite a lavish cell. He had like a real looking bed. Um, I think towards the end of his stay there he ended up getting a second bed um he had like a polished nice ornate desk he had a desk lamp his like lavish chair for him to sit there um yeah so he That's was crazy because they don't do this they don't really do this shit now like and the only reason is is because now they know they can get they can use this stuff to kill themselves <laughs> yeah. so they don't yeah, have literally. to finish their sentence yeah um so like that's pretty much why the first person that decided to murder himself in a cell guess what this is the reason why we have the system we have now (laughs) you ruined it for all them people in jail exactly they could have been living like this so then a couple more years go by 1933 there's fires not just one but like multiple the inmates are having an uprising they set fires in their cells they destroy they riot um, and they're doing it because remember this was designed to only hold 250 people. And now there's 1700 people on this plot of land. Construction is constantly happening. They're just talking about how there's just so much overcrowding and there's nothing for them to do. They're fucking bored out of their minds. So they start rioting and setting fires following year in 1934, they're rioting, um, over low wages because remember the prisoners were doing work. So they would work not just to maintain the building, but they would also be sent out supervised to do work for other things. And so at this time, just like today, prisoners that are on like approved work furlough and leave and all of that kind of stuff, they get paid wages. Granted, they're not what the minimum wage is because they're incarcerated, but they start writing over their wages. They ended up 
fucking up the electrical system, starting more fires, all kinds of disturbances. Um, and the current warden at that time ends up shutting that shit down. I don't know how I couldn't find out too many details, but he put his foot down and ended that shit real quick. So almost a decade goes by before anything else notable happens. Um, 1945, a dozen men do escape through a tunnel and it comes out on Fairmont and 22nd street and prison plaster worker at the time, Clarence Kleindinst probably butchered it, but he's not alive now. So um, he designed and he had built most of the tunnel. So he's like, Hey, I know how this tunnel works and where it goes. We're going to get the fuck out of here. So he actually had like only 24 months left of his sentence before he was out. And so he convinces these 12 people to escape through this tunnel. Most of them get caught within minutes. Um, He actually is out for a few hours and he ends up getting 10 years added to his sentence. It's like, you freaking idiot. You had 24 months left. Like, come on, man. Just... It's crazy how, like, prison does change a person's perspective because one day could probably seem like years already. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know? But, like, I mean, back in, like, those times, it must be different because now we have technology to keep us updated. Like, they didn't have a clock in this room. Yeah, that is true. You know? So, in 50, or in that same year, the... Pennsylvania legislature is like, we need to abandon ESP. Like, just shit's going awry. It's not working out. But they don't. 1953, ESP becomes the State Correctional Institution at Philadelphia. 1958 goes by, the city of Philadelphia ends up certifying ESP as a historic property. And in 1961, cell blocks are officially desegregated. Um, that same year, inmate John Klossenberg ends up, like, pranking or tricking a guard into opening the cell of another inmate. When the cells were open, they ended up overpowering him and started the largest riot in the entire history of the prison. It was, like, several hours later that the <coughs> police actually had to come to stop it with state troopers to reclaim the prison. So the riot ends up fueling discussion to close ESP. They're like, look, we have got some shit going down. We have, you know, at this time I couldn't find like numbers, but remember in the fifties, there was like 1700 people there. So there's not one worker for every inmate clearly because that's just too expensive. So you got to imagine there's a thousand people and they had the, they took the grounds for, I think it was like nine hours or something before the state troopers and prisoner or police department came and took it back from the prisoners. So 1965 federal government designates ESP as a historic landmark. And in 1970 of Jan, uh, the, the month January, it officially closed. The majority of the inmates got sent to the prison at greater ford and then the electrical system and all the mechanical systems and weird shit were in horrible shape but the walls paint and like the interior 
everything at the time that it's closed down is in perfect fucking condition except for the electrical and like mechanics for like opening the doors and stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting because 1970 from 1829, it's like over 140 years for that shit to be in pristine condition minus just like the electrical being shit well, it's I mean, years old. Like that's crazy. When you look at the big picture, it was closed. So like nobody's using that stuff anymore and there's nobody to misuse it. So, well, no, at the time that it closed, it said that everything was in perfect condition minus the electrical system. So I was like, after being used for 140 years and all these riots and shit that was going down, like that's pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, between 70 and 71, the city of Philadelphia really only used ESP to house prisoners from the county prison. Um, when there was a huge riot over there, they had to relieve some of the crowding. And then from 71 to like the mid 80s, it laid totally abandoned. Nobody really owned it other than like the state, I believe it was. Um, and they just used it for a bunch of storage. There's tons of vandalism that happened to like the windows, the skylights, and shit just starts growing. Trees, all the spooky pictures that you can see online right now of it. Tons of like stray cats and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, so like in the mid 70s, <clears throat> I need to get some water. In the mid 70s, one of the mayor, Frank Rizzo, he suggests let's tear it down to the ground and let's just build a new criminal justice center. As we know today, that didn't happen because it's still there. 1980s, city of Philadelphia actually takes the title and the deed to the building and the city paid the state over 400,000, which is crazy because keep in mind in 1829, the cost to build this place was $780,000. So for the city to pay the state a mere 400 grand in today's money, I mean, I should have Googled what $780,000 was in 1829 for like, its equivalence in today's money. That's just bonkers to me that the city was able to buy it in the eighties for so little money. Um, in 84, the city transferred ESP to the redevelopment authority so that they could seek proposals for like commercial use. And this is where like, um, permits and all that kind of stuff have to happen. So Eastern state task force, which is a bunch of like, people from historical societies and people that like to preserve things and architects they form and they reject the proposals for commercial use. They're like, Nope, it's not going to happen. We're not going to make this a commercial property. You're not going to make it run like Walmart. No, 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 no. Thanks. Run like, could you imagine thing. ESP is Walmart guys? Right? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so I can't they even. say no. So they start doing tours, obviously, um, but it's very limited, and those start in 1988. In 1991, there's a huge funding from the Pew Charitable Trusts, which allows for some stability to happen to parts of the building that can be saved and preserved, and the actual first fundraiser during Halloween happens to raise money to create a daytime tour program so that people could come see the history and all of that kind of stuff. And so since 1991, like you had mentioned, terror behind the walls and also Halloween nights at ESP 
happen every fall and all of the money goes to keeping the property up, keeping it open for tours, artist installations, history lessons, things of that nature. Um, I mean, they, they do an amazing job, to be honest with you. From all the stories I hear and all the pictures my friends have posted on Facebook and Twitter and all those wonderful social media platforms, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, they really do a really good job with Halloween. Like, they majority of the time that is spent there is donated from the people that actually work for the 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 city of Philadelphia. So they're not just doing it just to, you know, to make some money for the place itself. They're doing they're doing it as a donation that they want to keep this place intact. Yeah. Now, once they started doing all of these events and things, that's when the <clears throat> sorry, I need I need to get something. I should text Rena to bring me water. But um in 1994, so 1991 starts the first Halloween fundraiser and all of that kind of stuff. 1994, it opens for historic tours on a daily basis for the first time. And this is where the liability waivers came into play. It was back in 1994. During that first year, again, just like in 1858, more than 10,000 visitors attended and toured the site, so to speak. 1996, um, they got another funding from another foundation. It's the William Penn Foundation. And it allowed them to have permanent museum exhibits uh, constructed. And then they started their marketing campaign. So they had all kinds of site um, like on-site art exhibitions. They had prison sentences, I think was the title of it. And it ended up receiving like international attention. It was in the New York times on PBS, BBC, C-SPAN, all kinds of that stuff. So in 1996 attendance to go tour like doubled. So now almost like 20,000 people have visited it in just that year alone. Um, it also is in the movie 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis. Correct. 1996, the World Monument Fund includes ESP on its list of the 100 most important endangered landmarks in the world. Uh, I thought that was pretty That's interesting. Notable. I didn't do that. Yeah. And then 1998, ESP Historic Site, which is a nonprofit organization, uh, started doing tours there, and it's also in the movie Return to Paradise. 2001, ESP Historic Site Inc. assumes the Prison Society's concession agreement. I don't know what that is, but it's in my notes. 2003, the 10th season of Public Tours uh, starts, and the Voices of Eastern State, which is audio, the audio is provided by actor Steve Buscemi. Several dramatic um, new vistas in the prison's cathedral and cell blocks and other things are opened. Things become stabilized. And at that time, they don't require hard hats. So when they first started doing their tours in the 90s, not only did you have to sign a huge liability waiver, but you had to wear hard hats and like your little jacket and all kinds of stuff. So that lasted well until 2003. 2005, Cell Block 7 opened to the public for the first time. Um, 
2007 winter adventure tours began. So it officially became open seven days a week, 12 months a year in 2007. And then in 2008, visitors no longer were required to sign liability waivers upon entry. Uh, 2014, the big graph was unveiled on the prison's baseball diamond. I don't know what that is, but I got it written down. And again, if you want to see this timeline, you can check it out on easternstate.org. I'm just reading through the, the, the notes that I have. 2016, Prisons Today questions in the age of mass incarceration opens um, and ended up eventually winning the highest award in museum field and the award it won was Excellence in Exhibitions Award Overall Winner from the American Alliance of Museums. So another award it wins. 2017 ESP Historic Site adopts a new mission statement with a focus on interpreting criminal justice reform. So now when you go visit Eastern State Penitentiary, a lot of the art installations that you'll see and information and photographs and things of that nature are going to be kind of walking you down, interpreting the criminal justice reform, things that happened there, how Eastern state shaped things, what prison is like today, and kind of just educating. Because um, we know in the last few years, and especially with Kim Kardashian getting involved and in bringing things um, about prison justice reform to the social media masses and going to the White House and stuff like that, that's a huge topic in our society yes. right now. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so... There's just so much good stuff there. Like you've got the historical, you've got the spooky, you've got the amazing Instagram photos that you can take there. You can go see some amazing local art. You can see some world-renowned art installations. I just feel like it's one of those historical places that kind of just it It's the only the reason why I'm still living here. Like if they didn't have this stuff, like I I think I would move. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I really do. I can't wait to come visit and I can't wait to go see Eastern State. Um, so, oh, there's another couple places we have to visit too. Yeah. You love. So, that's kind of <laughs> the history. We're going to have to break this into a two parter. I didn't want to tell you guys that right at the beginning, but yeah, because we did not even touch on the spooky shit that's happened, the, yep. all the crazy mediums that have gone there. There were lots of suicides. There were some murders that happened while it was in use during that 140 years. Um, some of the paranormal things that have been captured Ooh, I can't there. Wait. I know. So hopefully this kind of hook, line, and sinkered you into. Oh, did we just earbait them? Right, right. <laughs> we just earbaited you. Yeah, we totally earbaited you. So I hope you've enjoyed chatting with us, this little lunch and learn. And our and wonderful learning about the history. Yeah, learning about the history of ESP <laughs> and that you will join us on the second episode because this is a two-parter. And mm -hmm. that one we're going to talk about all the spooky shit because there is a lot. Yeah, this place is known for it all. Yeah. So anyways, like, subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for giving us 54 minutes of your time. We love you guys so much. We love all of you. We are almost at 300 plays. We have got like 12 different countries that have listened to one or more of our episodes. So thank you so much. I'm going to post 
be a little more active now on Instagram now that I'm done with finals. Mikey's going to be hitting up our Twitter. He runs our Twitter account. So we will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye-bye. Ciao now, brown cows.